Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Connoisseurs coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Good morning everybody. It's the same morning that I've been speaking to Mutli Mahasi. So now I am going to put my energies in the direction of Paul Cleaver the 17th. Hello, Gary. <laughs> Paulie, How you're not you? really the 17th, are you? No, I'm Paul the 4th. You are the 17th, you are, but you're not. Yeah. But listen, uh, it, the, the good thing is um, my, everyone refers to my father as doctor. So there's a good separation there now. I think you're the only person in the Kluver family who's, who's not a doctor. Yeah, I'm not very clever. <laughs> I, always, I always said to everybody when I first met Paul Kluver is that somebody got that name, that surname wrong. The U should be changed to an E because it is. It's the Kluver family. They've all got doctorates, but not just one. Like some of them maybe two or three doctorates. They've all left indelible footprints on planet Earth. They're all amazing. Paul Kluver is Paul Kluver the 17th, really, really, really. Um He's taken over the running of the Paul Kluver, beautiful Paul Kluver farm in Elgin. I say Elgin. Do you say Elgin? I say Elgin. Potato to potato, tomato to tomato. tomato. I say Elgin. And if you haven't been to Elgin and you haven't visited Paul Kluver and you haven't got a bottle of Paul Kluver wine in your fridge or your cellar at home, you're in trouble because you should have. But it's easy to fix. It's very easy to fix. Yeah. Come visit and get, <laughs> buy some wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy. Yeah. It's that easy. Yes. Pordy. Yes. This program is all about, unashamedly, about luxury and gorgeousness and quality and deliciousness and lovely people and nice things. And like I said to Mutli earlier, hedonism, which is my understanding of what Epicurean is. If you're an Epicurean, you're a hedonist and you like all things gorgeous. Mm. Paul Kluver is one of those gorgeous things. Born on the farm, bred in Elgin. Tell us your life story a little bit. We need everybody to know where you went to school, how you met your beautiful wife. <laughs> we need to talk about That's your gorgeous children. That's a more interesting story, how, how I met my wife. Okay. I, I, well, off I, you go. I grew up in Cape Town, actually, not, not in Elgin. Um, Why? As you, as you mentioned, my, my father um, well, he was a doctor. is and he was a, a, a doctor. So and a he, very he, clever one at that. Yeah, well, if you can imagine the 70s and 80s, um, I think in total there were less than 10 neurosurgeons in the country. Um, in South Africa as a whole. Mm. Uh, um, and, I mean, he had to fly to places like PE because they didn't have a neurosurgeon there. Uh, uh, Do they and, have and, brains there? <laughs> <laughs> That's ugly, isn't it? That's ugly. Sorry, PE. Sorry, PE. <laughs> I'm sure they do. But so, so no, we, we grew up in, in Cape Town. Uh, ironically, my, my grandfather also lived in Cape Town and my father went to the German school there. Um, so, because your, your lineage is German. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so I love Cape Town. It's a, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a true born Cape Townian, love it, love the place. You're quite um, a different sort of a Cape Townian though. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, don't is that a good of, or a bad thing? Well, you don't, I don't notice you crocheting your own underwear out of sort of ripped up, shredded, recycled checkers bags or, you know. Yeah. In Cape Town, if you're not doing that, if you're not 150,000% sort of organic, schmorganic, you don't fit in. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think for, for me, what's been amazing how Cape Town has improved. Uh, and, and With all the Transvalers that have gone down there. Definitely. Yes. Well, Gauteng is... I think the places become more interesting the more diverse they are. Yeah. And the more inclusive that diversity yes. is. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, and, and one of the, the results of, of that diversity is often amazing foods. And, and that's why Cape Town has such yeah. an interesting area of food, food um, scene. It, it's got wonderful chefs, wonderful people going there. Yeah, but it's, it's lots not... more nice restaurants in Cape Town. But it's because it's a seaside town, I think. Yeah, but I mean, look, Paris is not a seaside town, and it's in the middle. It's, good, it's a great example of yeah, good. that's and, true. And I so, suppose so. You don't have to be a seaside. Siena, town. yeah, Pisa, yeah. Not really seasides. Not really seasides. No. So there, there are great examples of where you, where that happens. But for, for another example of melting pots in, the, in Europe, for example, is Belgium, where you, you get lots brilliant of brilliant for food. Brilliant for food. Um, mussels and chocolates. M- mussels, chocolates, but lace. Um, if, and, and it's usually that interaction of different cultures that makes for. Um, Interesting experiences. Um, mm. And as I think Cape Town becomes more and more diverse, it actually becomes more and more interesting, which is a fantastic thing. And yeah. that diversity is not only diversity of South Africans, it's diversity of people from overseas as well. So you tend to get foreigners of diverse selection of South Africans uh, coming together. Um, which well, is there's a, a huge thing. amount of foreigners who've bought property in Cape Town, really. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a worry to me that so many foreigners are buying into our beautiful wine lands. Do you think we're going to end up with Lederhauser and stuff on the wine farms now? No, I don't think so. But I, look, it's not a bad thing because what it ultimately does is it drives the success of the industry globally. And, yeah. and we do need that. Oh, 100%. Um, no, listen, I'm I'm all for foreign investment. It's a good idea. Mm. And especially if it's going to make a big difference yeah. to our to the quality of our wines. You know, the Germans have for a million years made some of the most beautiful wine in the world. If you go to the Mosul, and we're not, not going to say it's no to that. It's not only the Germans, it's the Americans, it's the French. Um, yeah, everybody's uh, dipping I mean, their toe uh, um, Glenn Ely. Made a Lancasan. French-owned. Uh, it's um, uh, Ken Forrester, uh, French-owned now. Uh, um, Valera. Val- Valera is French-owned. Mm. Um, Warwick is American-owned mm. now. Um, mm. And and that brings a fantastic uh, uh, no, it's a base, big you know. diversity and hopefully lots more money. Mm. I mean, who in their right mind really wants to be putting money into South Africa at the moment? But clearly, the wine industry is still attractive enough mm. to the rest of the world to actually bring some of those people in. So you were brought up in Cape Town, and your dad was is a neurosurgeon. Um, you've got two sisters, four. Why do I only know two? Uh, well, you probably know two that works more with the wine side of the business. Two that are your minions. No, so I have three sisters that work with me in the family business uh, of the four. We five kids with a six-year age gap That's between right. the oldest I and youngest. Actually, knew five five yeah. years in six, five kids in six years. Mm. That's brave. Your that's, mother deserves a. That's crazy. She deserves um, a prize of some some description. Yes. Uh, um, my appreciation of that only really developed once I had my own children. Um, and, and I have two, uh, under the age of eight. Um, 
And it's tasty. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine having five under the age of eight. That's just insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Sure. Well, I only had one because I just knew, you know, you're going to know your limitations in life. I just knew that one was about as much as I was. And Adam's made up for it. Yeah. Every single one of these gray yeah. hairs came from that. Yeah. We diverse. Yes. School. Where did you go to school? In Cape Town. Uh, Jan van Rubeck. That same horrible man who started yes. all the trouble. Yes, yes. I see that. <laughs> Everything's his fault. We're rebranding to JFR at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but um, no, it was it was it was a a, a, a wonderful experience. Uh, we grabbed grabbed City Bowl. Um, Went to Stalemosh University. Um, and what did you study at university? I, I did a degree in horticulture and economics and then a degree in philosophy and value and policy studies. Value and policy studies? Mm. What's that? So, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating topic. It's, it focuses on decision-making. And so what drives your decision-making is drives your, your value system. Drives I'm your a decision-making, Libra. Right? Decision-making is not one of my strengths. In fact, mm. it doesn't even enter my life. I, I try not to think about it anymore because I'm so pathetic at it. Mm. Decision making. Yeah, it, it, and it, it, you look back in history. For me, the fascinating thing about that is, is who were great decision makers. And you're, you're only truly tested when it, with decision making with hard decisions or unpopular decisions. Mm. Um, if, if you think. In the South African context, Mandela was one of the great decision makers. He was had the ability to, to make unpopular decisions mm. and remain popular. And remain popular, mm. and but also got everyone to back those decisions at the end of the day. Uh, yes, well, he was a great diplomat. So yeah. he he used to. That's one of the terrible traits of being a Libran, is that you can't make a decision, but you are diplomatic. Yeah. Believe it or not, there are some Librans who are diplomatic. I'm not. Yeah, but most of them are. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's it's a it's a fun it's a, it's a fascinating topic. I could bore you on that for hours, but it's um, uh, and and as I said, I think the day to day decisions we also almost make automatically. Um, well, it's almost like it's, it's autopilot, it's isn't default, it? Right, it's autopilot. It's, yeah, it's only it's only when people challenges your autopilotness, then you have to think about. What is the right decision? Mm. Um, and and uh, that's that's when when decision making becomes interesting. It's so interesting, you know. It's really really fascinating about that autopilot, because I think it's that autopilot that we need to focus on re-energizing. Because I think the global autopilot has gone tilt. Don't you think? Yeah. I was, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's gone a bit tilt. But so, it's far easier to drink wine than try to fix the no, global no, order. I think if we, if we could just, maybe we need to speak to Elon Musk yeah. and see if there's a chip of sorts that we yeah. could put in that would just tweak that autopilot. That You know, if you think of it poorly, well, whether, he, you're a, whether you're a Buddhist or a Catholic or a, you know, what do you call it? Member of the Taliban, or no matter no matter what you belong to, there's there's sort of like seven or ten rules that we just need to remember. There's just a couple that we just need to remember. 
it's like be nice to the person next to you. Yep. Don't tell fibs. Mm. Don't steal Callum's computer. Mm. Don't stop Paulie's wife. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. there's sort of like there's sort of like common decency, and there's about seven or ten of them. And if we just and all those doctrines say the same. Yeah. I mean, the, pretty much the, the same. The great one is do unto others as you wish to be done. Well, exactly. Yourself, that's right? even just so one. You just need the right, one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We just need the one. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's. Um, so that was a short degree because it was just that one thing you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you did that, and then in the meantime, when did the farm come into the into the Kluver space? So my my great great grandfather bought it in the late nineteen hundreds, so eighteen ninety six, um, and it was uh, a, a very basic farm. It was for summer grazing for sheep, um, and Elgin at the time was was not a very popular area to do anything in because it was wet, cold. You couldn't actually really have livestock there. And you know, it's and cold, then, it's high up, and it's... And it was impossible to get into. So. In the clouds most of the time, isn't mm. it? And you have to remember the pass, Solari's pass, was only built late 19th century. So that means... If that's you, because Jan van Riebeek was being lazy. Yeah, well, it actually was built by Sir... Um, Sir Lowry. No, it was Henry Cole. Not Solari. Uh, so Solari Cole. Sorry, Solari Cole. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you know the same place, Colesburg, is named after. Same I always person. thought it was because of because uh, it Cole, was Cole, but it's C O L E actually. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So that's the same guy. Um, he built Solari's Pass, and um, it's quite a quite an engineering feat that Solari's Pass. It, it is, but before that, and if you ever drive over Solari's Pass again, you couldn't get over the top. They really. went straight down. Um. And if you if you if you read the old stories, the ox wagons were absolutely destroyed going down the they pass. They had no shock absorbers. They had no. Brakes. So it was horrible. They had all the grannies and grandpas and tinkers and tailors and the dogs and the children. It was remarkable, really. So the bottom line is, it was really hard to get produce out of the valley. Yeah, because and that the was, access wasn't there. Right? And that was yeah. the valley. What did they call that valley? Well, it the, was like the, the land well, of plenty or something well, the, like that. Well, the Afrikaans name for it was Groenland or Greenland. Was um, it Groenland? Yeah, and that's the one mountain's also named that, Groenlandberg or, or Greenland mountain. But I, it was also like the land of plenty. Um, Canaan, it was like there was some reference to the Bible. Not that I we'll know. move away from yeah, there because yeah. we don't know that <laughs> in a show a little bit of a lack of, of yeah, depth of knowledge yeah. there. But it was something like the land mm. of milk and honey because it is such a fertile valley, isn't it? Mm. It's an incredible valley, but it really only took off post Second World War. So not a lot took, hap- took happened in the valley. Uh, uh, what happened post Second World War is Europe needed food. Uh, and uh, Elgin already was identified as a place to grow apples. Mm. Um but uh, the demand for South African apples shot up, and it was um, it, we could bring in the seasonality, uh, so our ability to supply Europe with apples um, in the off season, their off season. That's what propelled the success of. So Africa. what we really need is another world war, in no. order to get the <laughs> the apple industry no. booming. Well, the, uh, the the irony nowadays is that um, uh, back then. Uh, uh, you could only store apples for a limited period of time, but today you can store apples for up to 12 months. Ask Woolworths. Um, yeah. 
so, so seasonality has disappeared. So our biggest competitor where 30 years ago it would have been South America, New Zealand, Australia. Today it's France, Poland. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, because they can store their fruit and uh, all how, year round. How do they store it for so long? It's called controlled atmosphere. Um, so you reduces you reduce the oxygen, and the apple almost goes into hibernation. Um, do you think that if I put that into my bedroom, you'll live longer? I'll live <laughs> at night, and you, I turned it you, on. You might, but it won't be very pleasant. <laughs> do you think I have wrinkles? Do you think I'll stop getting wrinkles? Yeah. I, well, well, you know that well, one of the worst things for wrinkles is UV. So that's why we in South Africa don't uh, don't age as well as they do in Europe, purely because of the sun. Oh, oh, UV light from UV the sun. UV light, yeah. Mm. UV light. So if you want to, if you want to have good skin when you're old, don't go in the sun. Don't go in sun tanning. Especially not that's if you tip, like right? us and we like albinos. Yeah. You're so lily white. Mm. You go in the sun. It's not good. No. So your family bought an apple farm, and they did really well because they were clevers, clevers, and they made. And now, we can brag a bit here. It is like the biggest apple space in the country. They've got a thing there called Cromco. Do mm. you own Cromco? Is it like a cooperative thing? No, they're ten shareholders in Cromco. Yeah. It's as big, guys. It's as big as like forty-seven rugby fields. If I tell you, you go to, you go to Paul Clover. Elgin just is Paul Cleaver. You just see a big thing that says Cromco, and you just see everything is just Paul Cleaver. And it just, it's the most alarming space what you Cleavers have done there. So it's all those us. apples. I mean, they, they, there's two a day and, and fruitways. There's some other phenomenal farmers. But in why the don't we see any signs up? Well, they're just not on the main road. Because they're not you, that's <laughs> yeah, why. Because yeah. I'm bragging about you, because it's nice to brag about people who deserve bragging about and the clovers do we we're lucky to have the clovers in south africa they could have buggered off like so many other people and left us stranded with nothing so if you talk apples you talk clover if you talk algen you talk clover and i'm gonna sort of stick my head out and say as well if you talk wine you talk clover because that's how i got to know the clover family they make some of the loveliest wine in the country because it's coming from this beautifully cool, dreamy climate high up in the mountains, close enough to the sea to get some maritime sort of influence. And always, always for me, I love Chardonnay. Um, your Chardonnay is just one of the nicest Chardonnays in the country. And it's just got nicer and nicer and nicer, and we'll have to get on to Andres Berger, who happens to be Paulie's brother-in-law, mm. but he's also the winemaker and has been there for a long time and making lovely wine. We'll talk about that in a minute. You finished university mm. and went straight to work at the farm? Mm. You- I did, yeah, which I don't recommend. No. I, 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 for anyone that has a family business, I, I recommend if they have children – Go work somewhere else first. Mm, <laughs> it's, mm. it's just a it's much better experience to mm, do that. Mm. Um, Your father's not stupid, though. He conditioned you from, from day one. No, he did. And uh, uh, if you ask me, do, do I regret it? No, I, I don't. I mean, I've, I've been, I had the most privileged ex, uh, experience working for the family business and, and the opportunity to help, to help grow and build it. Um, yes. But, but, um, 
yeah so when when i went i went straight back uh you it, it, it's harder i think because everyone thinks you're not there on merit you you they so you could have been dance you could have had the dance cap in class and still been the md yes which then is also bad for the family business, right? Mm. Um, Lucky you've got those clever genetics. Yeah, so uh, thank God we didn't screw it up. <laughs> uh, um, but but it's it's, um, yeah. So I I, I think that it, it was a tough first couple of years for for me being involved in the family business, um, and it was a tough time for the Apple industry when when I joined. Um, Yes. So early two thousands, the Apple industry in South Africa was was bleeding. Um, yeah. Um, but we we managed to get through it. At the same time, we also then managed to build a winery, which actually is capital intensive. So you've got these two things that was. Uh, but it's um, sort of time yeah. for that to come of age, and I think you and I were chatting last night. Um, I think Paul Kluver's winery or wines, I think they are coming of age now. They've, they've earned their stripes. They've done all their homework. They're ticking all the boxes. The vineyards are getting some extra sort of rings in their stems. Mm. I think it all starts to fall into a comfier space after a few years. And so instead of these edgy, eager, baby vines that are shouting, me, 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 you know, let me be the one. There's some that have quite easily just risen above the rest. You've acknowledged them. You know which they are. Andres has been the winemaker for 20-something years. years. He knows those vineyards like I know my shoes in my shoe cupboard, you know. You know which one's going to be comfy on Tuesday and which one's going to go with your whatever. He's so comfortable with those vineyards. He's so comfy with your winery that it all starts to slip and slide so easily with no lubrication. It's perfect. It all starts happening naturally. And I think that that's, that's what I'm picking up from Elgin, well, from Paul Kluver at the moment, that the wines are not forced. They're not, they're not purporting to be anything other than what they organically are. Mm. I, I think good wine, like good food and good company, um, is usually with things <laughs> that are not overpowering and are, are mm. too dominant. Um, mm. uh, so, so our focus is to try to produce wines of elegance and balance, um, and 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 a wine that doesn't say I want to be the star of every show. I was going to say it's that yeah. me 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 thing mm. that starts off when you first. When you first start wine farming, and you're so desperate for some kind of acknowledgement, I suppose was it when you first start anything, mm. you want to be you want to be counted, don't you? Uh, it uh, makes you quite uh, unattractive. It <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think as you um, uh, and and uh, as with youth, you're 100 percent right. I mean, you you want you want recognition for your success, right? Mm. And. Um, uh, if you don't get it, you almost want to jump up and down and say, but <laughs> hey, what about, what about me, right? Stamp your size three um, feet. Yeah. But, but, but actually, um, I, 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 I think just knowing that, that this is the best you can make from this property should be, should be a reward enough. And, and then it, it, 
it changes your mindset also because then you don't yes. need lots of people to tell you that all the time. No, you don't need anyone blowing smoke up your what's it. You yeah. don't because you know. And and then I think also people get to know. So I mean, if the, the amazing thing is if you look at the, the greatest wines in the world, um, uh, ranging from Burgundy to Bordeaux, so mm. the, the Lafitte, the Latois, mm. they don't have to jump up and down. I mean, I think they're privileged that they don't have to jump up and down, but they also don't have to jump up and down is because they've been producing quality wines for what centuries. And and that means they they their focus is on doing it right every single time. Yes, and they don't necessarily do it bigger, better. No. Some of those wineries, you and I know we've been in them, some of them are seriously backward. Mm. They don't but the necessarily. Vines are the and vines, what they grow but it all comes from that blooming gardening. You've got to be a good gardener. You do. Yeah. So good wine is made from good grapes. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to grow good grapes. So um, you were how old when you got to the farm? And what did your father make you? Were you the garden boy? No. I, so I, I, I was a, uh, um, in the production of apples when I joined. <laughs> so you were the gardener in the apple, apple orchard? apple farmer. Okay. And, you know, the amazing thing is that what you have to realize is that unlike wine grapes, appearance means nothing with wine grapes. Because if there's a bump or it doesn't the berry is not looking perfect, doesn't matter because it gets squashed, squashed in any case, right? Mm. With apples, appearance is everything. And it's like an avo. So you want to make sure that the apple is pretty, perfect. It'll be a pretty apple. Um, so that so same one that to... Adam gave to Eve. Yeah, that same one. Yeah. She couldn't resist it. Exactly. So, so you apple farming. There's an incredible amount of detail that goes into mm. it. And and that detail is to ensure that you have the perfect fruit, and you want lots of it. How do you make the perfect apple? I mean, it's got to be like that shape. It's got to have a special thing where the stem comes out. The skin's got to be smooth, so no pimples or blackheads on that apple. Mm. So it starts with good genetics. So you need a- <laughs> it's the same old trouble. Yeah. So <laughs> if you, you got shit genes, you're dead in the water. So you need good. You need good uh, uh, apple plants. Good, the, the right variety. And do we have good apple nurseries in South Africa? We do, we do. What's your favourite apple? <laughs> That's a good question. I oscillate between two. I, would I like say. Pink Ladies. Pink Ladies are okay. But I like the 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 sister apple of Pink Lady more, which is Sundowner. So they I don't both think came I've out had of a, a Sundowner. Yeah, the, the name recently changed to Joya uh, as the marketing name for it. But the 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 breeding name for Pink Lady was Crips Pink. Crips. And, was and Crips the, a person? And, and yes, and then he also produced the Crips Red, which is the sister apple of of that. Do you um, know what I quite like? And I never find them anymore. Golden delicious apples. They're still there. God, they were mm. delicious. My granny used to make baked apples out of them, mm. and they tasted like custard even mm. before you put the custard on. Yeah, the, the sad thing is that um, uh, we are selling. Green golden delicious apples. These no, days. they used to be yellow. Yes, then they tasted much better. And they when tasted they were like yellow. pears, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think that makes it a. a, a Why a do we have to sell them apple. green now? So they store longer, which I think is a pity. I think we should um, change that. Yes, but it's not Let's going change. to change. <laughs> <laughs> Let's change that. So you went and became a gardener in the apple orchards, mm. and then. 
Where, which rung did you jump to next? Then I got involved in fine. Well, then I did. We went to the business school. I did a, a diploma in uh, senior business. Just management. a diploma, not a doctorate. No. Shame on you. You see, I mean, shame <laughs> on you, Polly. Uh, and and I I then took over finances in the business. And actually, at that and that's point, when all the shit hit the fan. Well, that's when I said. <laughs> That's when I said to my dad, this wine business is a terrible business. We should shut it down. We're just losing way too much money. And then you fell in love. Well, he said, I can't shut it down before understanding the wine business. And then I fell in love Mm. with the wine industry. That's what happens. And I said, I could make it work. I said, Mm. um, we all think we can make it work. It's like a bad marriage. It's never going to work. But you think it can. Yeah. And you believe in it. No, it can work. It can work. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good marriage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful marriage because the sex is great, but when you wake up in the morning, you got to pay the bills. Yes. So, so I, I think what you have to realize, wine business is a long-term business. Yeah. But I think farming is a long-term business. Of course um, it is. The only time I think you can get into the wine business where it's short-term is when you don't grow the grapes. Mm. Um, yes. So you don't own the property, you don't grow the grapes, uh, and, and, and it's then you realize also you you can't produce after fashion. So if someone comes to you today and they go, yeah, you have to say no, I'm not interested in trends. Yeah, because if you think about it, if someone says, well, now Petit Verdot is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you know how long it takes to get into a new variety? Another 20 years. <laughs> it, it, it's Well, I would say it's a minimum of seven. five to seven years. Seven right? years. By that time, people are saying, well, I'm no longer interested in Petit Verdot. I know. I'm We've moved on to Malbec. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. No, I know. I know. So, so I think the, the, the real important thing is, is to say, what can I really do well? Irrespective of trends. And I'm going to do it so well that even though that's not the fashionable thing now – People will it's going to be so it. irresistible that I'll, yeah. I'll buy it. Yeah. So, uh, people will never stop drinking Sauvignon Blanc. They'll never stop drinking Cabernet no. Sauvignon. They'll- so what I was saying to you last night is that if you stick to your knitting and you know everything as much as you can possibly know mm. of it, mm. know as much as you can, yeah. which is preaching to the converted when you're speaking to the Kluber family, but just be cleverer than everybody else and make sure that you're making the single best Chardonnay that you know Paul Cliver Farm can produce. Everybody gets to fall in love like you did. So they know if they go to the shop that last year the Paul Cliver Chardonnay that we bought was just delicious and God, there's another 7,000 labels on her, but we've got 20 people for lunch. We know we're going to get we know what we're going to get in that Paul Cliver bottle. Yep. It's nice. Yep. It's classy. It's sexy. It's all the things it needs to be. Let's just buy a case. Yeah. And I think that is the sec- one of the secrets to your success is that you just are a very loved brand. But, but I, I, I think that we, we are a brand also known for certain things. So hmm. if we brought our Chenin Blanc tomorrow… Nobody People, would buy it. Rightly so, would say, well, what do they know oh, about they Chenin Blanc? they might try it, and then there'd be a lot of debate around it, and everybody would yeah. say, eh, we don't want Chenin from Elgin, and, and which I, they don't. And I think that what, what you have to look at is that um, I, I think most people like specialization. Mm. Um, and, and for me, always the best example is, is when we – let's go out for dinner, and you tell me, well, where are we going? And if I say to you, well, it's this fantastic new restaurant, 
Uh, they do incredible steak. Their Thai food's incredible. Their sushi is wonderful. Their <laughs> yes, Italian and pasta got is wonderful. Soup and they make pizza, yeah. Then you're going to start worrying about the restaurant, right? But if I say to you just, it's the best Italian restaurant you can imagine, mm. then you know what you're going to get. Mm. Or it's the best steakhouse that you can imagine. Yes. Then you know what you're going to get. And I think that level of specialization is also required within wine production. Is what do you do well? Focus in on it mm. and really hone your craft. Don't and change don't, your label all the time. Although you've recently just changed, I think, the texture of your label, which I like. Mm, we have. I like the te- I like touch and feel. It's a tough thing to do, right? When you change. but you've made it just classier, but it doesn't. It still looks like the same Paul Kluber label, just less fancy schmancy filigree and stuff on it. It's plainer, isn't it? So we mm. quite like plain. Mm. So I, I, I think a good example of of. Um, Evolution, if you is with the, the car industry understands that really well. So if you mm. look at if you look at BMW or Mercedes Benz, the grid might have changed. God, some n- of them are so ugly nowadays. Have <laughs> you seen them? It looks but like the still, cheese grater in my kitchen. But you still know that BMW always has the two kidneys uh, grid. Yeah, right? and the Porsche and the Porsche has like the runny Friday lights on the front. Yeah, exactly. So right. so so. So you still go, yeah, it's part of the family. It's part of that DNA. It's part of that history. So I, I, I get that. And I think that's important um, is, to not, is to not just walk away from your heritage. But, heritage but, is so important, even though we've been told that we have to cancel it all now. But don't. Don't ever cancel it. You just keep that heritage going. and you keep. So you did apples. Mm. Then you came into the wine business to do the finances. When did you actually – Get to squeeze some bunches of grapes. So, very I I respect Andres too much to go and run around in his cellar. Um, and, and, and <laughs> He's the be, nicest man, guys. He's really the and nicest. I, I I I have a rule: I will never taste out of his winery without him being present. That's good. Um, so, if you want to taste out of the barrels in our winery, the winemaker needs has to be, to be there. there. Yeah, because he also knows at what stage all the various barrels are. He yes, tends to it every single day. Um, I've squashed some grapes. uh, but Have you ever made some wine for yourself? No. I think you should. Why don't we make a wine? (laughs) Because I I believe there's people much better than I. We can make it out of apple juice, (laughs) out of golden delicious. (laughs) We can make a cider, which we do make, right? Yeah, you do make cider. You make nice cider. Yeah. Paulie, so you... Still run the business. I mean, he's playing it down. He actually runs a very big empire there because it's the apples is huge. I think apples must be bigger than wine for you, hey? Yes. And then the wine business is certainly not to be sneezed at. They make how many different expressions now? About seven, eight? Of wine. Mm. We do seven wines in total, mm. but three Chardonnays and three Pinot Noirs. Mm. Uh, so our focus very much is on Chardonnay Pinot Noir. The only red wine we make is Pinot Noir. Um, you used to make a cab, do you remember? Mm, I do. And it was quite nice. Yes. Why did you stop? Just focus. Focus. And I I, I, I believe that our property was never going to produce a the cab of, of the quality that you can produce in Stalemus. Mm, mm, quite right. So... Kudos to them. I think that if if that if you want to drink a Cabernet, go um, to Stelis. Go to Stelis. Yeah, and they produce so, phenomenal wines. No, there. they do yeah. some lovely Cabernet. Yeah, and that's what we were saying the other night. 
talking about Appalachian control, it's starting to happen by itself, mm. really. And we can't push and shove it and whatever, but everybody knows that Stellenbosch produces beautiful cab, and everybody now knows that Elgin produces beautiful Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Yeah. I mean, I tasted some of those Chardonnays from Freda and List the other day, mm. from, from Elgin. their Elgin vineyards. Yeah. Just so nice. Yeah. Just so nice. Really, really. And, of course, Andrew Gunn's done an amazing job yeah. I in have Elgin. Not, yeah. You've all done well in Elgin. So, and we were talking about the Wallaces the other day. It's a nice community, and you're making quality wines. Definitely, yeah. Paulie, um, your journey sort of got a little bit stunted when you tripped and fell in love with Alexander. <laughs> yeah, she's well, lovely. Well, she's gorgeous. It, it, we my, all couldn't believe Paul had fallen in love. My, I thought my journey got better. <laughs> of course it did. Well, it all sort of went squonk for a bit, didn't it? Um, well, I, I, I spent a lot of time commuting between South Africa and Singapore at the time. <laughs> um, I met her in London. She was a lawyer in London at the t- when we met. Uh, and when I told her, "But don't worry, I'll come back and visit you," she She'd told, moved to Singapore. She told me she won't. Be there. She's moving so to she's Singapore. Like a, she's like a supermodel. She's beautiful. She's clever. She puts up with no clever shit, like nothing, nothing. Not allowed to get away with anything. And Which is a good she, thing, right? good thing, because yeah. I think you could be quite of a handful, given the chance. I think you might be a handful. So she doesn't put up with that. And I can remember you being completely an. Utterly smitten, Paul Kluver. Yes, I still am. Completely and utterly smitten. I couldn't believe that my Paulie got so smitten, so hit by that love stick. Next thing he made, Alexander, and now there's a Max and a Nicholas. Tell us about them. You don't have to give away too much because we don't want to. We don't want the paparazzi <laughs> well, after no, the Kluver no, family. But no, but no, we, they're we've, so we've blessed. We've got two boys. Um, our oldest is now grade two. Um, and the youngest. Is he at Jan van Riebeek? No, he's in German school. <laughs> okay. mm. So, yeah. Who's worse, Hitler or Jan van Riebeek? Germans are my. Not all Hitler. Not all about Hitler, Kerry uh, Adams, yeah. Um, no, I, uh, I, I think it's. Uh, it, uh, so, Alexandra is German um, and. and, and born in Germany and I was able to convince her to move to South Africa which wasn't that hard I think Cape Town's a fantastic place I remember the first time she came yeah I think you stayed at my house en route to somewhere yes and she was like a rabbit in the headlights she hadn't been here before, I don't think. No, well, she, she had been yeah. to South Africa because mm. her dad had been here mm. and, and uh, she, uh, when, when she was at school they, they did a school project for, for kids in the Kalahari where they built schools. So she was here before. Yeah. So it it really was a a happy story, a happy wedding, mm. gorgeous wedding. I remember it well. Um, and two beautiful little boys. What's happening? What do we look forward to at Paul Kluver in the next five years? Five-year plan for Paul Kluver. So for, for us, the really exciting thing that's, that's taking place is, um, is this journey that we're on of, of focus and improvement. Um, uh, the, the, 
the exciting for us is, is what we've been planting. Um, and and if, if, if you look at most, most people, what they'll tell you is as you get vineyard age, the complexity and depth in your wines just get better and better. I know. Um, so, so for me, the, the, the wonderful thing is, is to see, um, over time, the maturity and, and the quality coming through, which is fantastic. Um, well, we can brag now. Now's the time to brag because this year at the London Wine and Spirits, International Wine and Spirits Show. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you're saying, so <laughs> it was International best, Wine Challenge, best Chardonnay. Best yes. Chardonnay. In the world, yeah. In the world, guys. And mm. I'm not sure. I mean, it's always a very big category that mm. it's a very big, bold statement. We do. Maybe only four entered. No. Um, How many? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm I, trying I, to take the wind I, out of your sails yeah, or no, anything, no, but it's, how many people I, entered? I think of Chardonnays, there's uh, over 3,000 wines. The, wow. the total competition was So it really is the best wines. Chardonnay in um, the world. Yeah. The best Chardonnay in the world and the best white wine to come out of South Africa. Hmm. And the competition, Doesn't yeah. really, doesn't really get much better than that. No. And that was a seven flag Chardonnay. Yep. It is an extraordinary one. And we've watched it grow from, I think, just a little, what's the word? A little sperm in Andres's head and an ovum in somebody else's head. I don't know. But they made, they made it happen. And it's been growing. When was the first vintage of, of seven flag Chardonnay? 2014. Yeah. Mm. So it's nearly 10 years ago. Yeah. First vintage of Seven Flags Pinot was 2006. Yeah. Released in 2009. So yeah. That's, that's so the okay. Seven Flags is the flagship from the farm. And the Pinot Noir, they only make a Pinot Noir and a Chardonnay under that label. And it is, it's smart wine. And everybody should have some of that in their cellar. But then let's tell everybody about the village. Because mm. that's just like every man's wine, isn't it? Mm. Well, so uh, uh, both those wines actually came about as as, as part of a journey, and um, uh, the, the the one with the Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir, if you look as a category, yeah, there's no such thing as a cheap Pinot no. in South Africa. I, I I don't think there's a Pinot Noir under a hundred rand a bottle in South Africa, which already gives you an idea yeah. of, of where the pricing is. And um, we we were asked so. Um, could could you produce a wine that that gives people the opportunity as an introduction to Pinot Noir, and and that was the, the the challenge that we were given and we set off. And the wonderful thing about that is we it gives us an opportunity to do something with our younger vineyards. Yes. Because so you young, made Rabina. Well, yeah, what it what, is like Rabina. It is it is lovely fruit forward. Mm. It's still. It, 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 Unmistakably Pinot Noir. It's um, light and tinkly. So, you know, yeah. Pinot Noir has to tinkle. Yeah. It can't be Pinot Noir without tinkling. It tinkles in the glass. You can see through it. And when you put it in your mouth, on your tongue, if it doesn't tinkle, spit it out and buy a different bottle. It's got to tinkle in your tongue, doesn't it? Well, well Pinot, of all the red varieties, has got some of the greatest acidity in it. Oh, it's um, gorgeous. And, and we love it. I know very often people's, their perception of Pinot Noir, they go, is it, it's light, so it's not serious, mm. or it's light, so can it age? Mm. Um, and you and I both know, uh, you can pick up a, a 
bottle of Burgundy from 19... I told you, I had a 1949 the other night. And it probably it was, drank incredibly well. It was gorgeous. The other irony is, is people think that I can't have a heavy steak or something with Pinot Noir. Oh, my gosh, of course um, you and, can. And I think especially the best steaks, with a little bit of fat marbling mm, in between, bit of a works wagon. so well with Pinot Noir. Because wagon and Pinot Noir. It's fantastic. There's and actually not a better pairing. Not. Um, and, and so, so it, it's one of the best food... Food wines that you can get because it works with a variety of dishes. But what it really does is it actually highlights your eating experience. Mm-hmm. Um, where if, if you do drink a heavy, uh, a heavy wine, it almost dominates the dish. Where what's what 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 does is it cleanses the palate. It becomes a marriage between the two. That's gorgeous. Um, And I've always said, once you fall in love with Pinot Noir, it's the most expensive affair you are ever going to have. This is true. It is the most expensive. But it's because it's the most one of the most difficult grapes to grow. It's a bitch to grow. It's a bitch in the cellar. Mm. It's a bitch flat out, full stop. I was telling Mutli, was I telling you, my my grapes have genders, which is hugely politically incorrect, and I'm not even going to go there Mm. because I know you don't want to do that. I hate. But I won't even tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) I won't even tell you what gender Pinot Noir is, and it's of all fifty-two genders. Mm. Well, you know what they say, there's two genders and 50 mental disorders, but it's of all 50 mental disorders, each grape, I have a gay one, a straight one, a transgender one. I have all of them. I won't tell you what, pe- I won't tell you what Pinot Noir is. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you when you switch the camera off. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, but so, so that's where Village Pinot Noir started, and then later on we were, can we, can we do a Village Chardonnay? And what I don't like... I don't like unwooded Chardonnay. I, think I it's, do. It's like Chablis. Well, we love Chablis. We do, but Chablis is not unwooded. Not always, yeah. And and, Some. and that's the difference. So so, and that's exactly what the village Chardonnay is. Mm. It's it's like a Chablis. It is. Um. So there is oak on it, but there's but no just, new wood on it. There's no new, and it it was just barrel fermented, wasn't it? You don't age in in. So okay. some of it's uh, aged in big fudras, okay. and some of it's in big concretes, some of it's in stainless steel. But it's just got this beautiful freshness. It's mm. so easy to drink. I mm. think it's a perfect introduction to what Chardonnay can be. Gorgeous. Um, so yeah, the village Chardonnay is is I, I think it's the it's the Chardonnay that should be in your fridge that you can drink every day. Oh my goodness! In um, fact, I think that we should put some bag in a box. Yeah. I'm not joking. I would buy a bag in a box, Paul Kluver Villa Chardonnay to keep in my I don't put booze in my fridge in my in my kitchen. Yeah. Because I, I think And you drink too much or what? Yeah. So right. all the stuff stays on my veranda or in my cellar. I think but you should at least I have one would, or two bottles in your fridge in the kitchen. I would put a two liter box of Paul Kluver Chardonnay. In fact, I'd cut a hole <laughs> in one of my <laughs> to put the boxes in my fridge in my yeah. scullery. It's so nice, guys. You mm. do need to go and buy a bottle of the Village Chardonnay. It's delicious. It's mm. lovely wine. And then what do we do after that? Do we still make Riesling and Gewürz? We don't make Gewürz. We do make Riesling. Riesling. I think the, the Elgin Appellation, because of its cool climate, it is fantastic to make Riesling. for Riesling. Yeah. Uh, and and it is a fantastic varietal. Um, I th- I th- it's a difficult varietal in South Africa because most people perceive it to be sickly sweet. It used um, to be in South Africa. Mm. Well, also was confused with uh, uh, Paul Riesling or, yeah. or um, Christian Blanc. Yes. Uh, or, or which is not uh, to be recommended. 
Well, it's a it's a different varietal. That's <laughs> <laughs> very very diplomatic um, of you. It's it's it, so Christian Blanc doesn't have the natural acidity that Riesling has. No. Uh, and so, and some of those sweet rieslings are from Germany are absolutely to die for. Gorgeous. They are, but they've got balance. Uh, and what I mean with balance is they've got the sweetness, but they have the acidity. Mm. So the the balance of those two doesn't give you this cloyiness in your palate. Mm. And you can sip and sip and sip and sip away. I know, so nice. And riesling is works with well with a variety of foods, but especially works well with spicy food, mm. which is fantastic. Uh, if, if Cape you, Malay food. Cape Malay, Thai curries. Um, yeah. If you even like, I, I I even like our wrestling with sushi. So if you like the wasabi, yeah. And sushi was, I hadn't was, thought about that. There's a spiciness that. there, and that acidity that cuts with the fish. So if you, if it's, you do it, even tuna sashimi, yeah, which which is a, a heavy a heavy because it's quite hard to have anything with wasabi. Yeah, it, Talk about dominating flavors. And yeah. killing everything mm, off. Mm. Wasabi, that. Yeah. I reckon that we could have, we could have killed sh- COVID with wasabi. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a nasal flush when you've eaten? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 See, wasabi, it's dreadful. Yeah. Poorly. You know, the, the world loves stories. Mm. And wineries with stories are nice things to have. Obviously, is there a gorgeous story about Paul Kluver Winery that we need to know about? About a family member or a particular vineyard or a particular misus or a something funny or a something that nobody should know about Paul Kluver? <laughs> well, if no one should know about it, then we're just no going to tell, tell everybody. Right? <laughs> we're going to tell everybody right now. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I, 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 for, for me, the. The nicest, probably story is is that is that of my my grandmother. Um, what is her name? Gertrude. So oh. you, right. So um, my my the, the reason the farm got managed by by our family um, because my great great grandfather bought it, but then there's um, his daughter who married a Kluver. Uh, um, Basically rented out. Oh, so your great great grandpa on your maternal side bought it. Not he wasn't yeah. a clever. No, no, he was a Davilius. Oh um, my goodness! Yeah. Okay, those uh, Davilius is creeping everywhere. Uh, eh? Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, uh, but but so my grandfather has mentioned that they lived in Cape Town. He was a professor of psychiatry. Um, of course he was. Uh, and he he had no interest in farming. And uh, they were both actually concerned about the. Sustainability and the, the conservation of of the farm, which the guy that was renting it wasn't doing. Okay. So my grandmother said, "Go away. I'm going to come and look after it." So she left Cape Town. Put on her in farming the 1940s, boots. Forties. Wow. Put on her farming boots. Came to the farm, and um, there was no running water, no electricity, nothing. Uh, and she, she was out there on her own and started farming it. Because, and the reason she started farming is she soon realized we can't do conservation if we don't have a functional business to be able to afford it. And what people often uh, forget, and a fantastic example is um, look at what has happened in the environment, the, the, the game parks and that in yes. Zimbabwe, when the economy starts to falter. Can't it's not sustainable. You, so, so we can afford 
to look after our environment when, when we're rich. When we're rich, mm. right? Um, so, so she set off to then to actually How develop amazing. the farm. How amazing! What perspicacity! Mm. In nineteen, when was it? So she came back in nineteen forty-two. My my dad was one year old at the time, uh, so amazing. she was looking after him, and then. An incredible legacy that she left. So, so her, her focus was conservation. Um, we'll have to she, make a one called the Gertrude. Yeah. And then in 1957, uh, uh, she founded a, a school on the farm, which today is 1,300 kids in it. I know. It's amazing. So it's a no-fee no school. It feeds three meals a day per child. It's absolutely incredible. Um, it's amazing. It's a, it's a I wonderful mean, hey. Wonderful legacy that she's left. And you've got soccer fields and all kinds of things there. Yeah. But the wonderful thing is, is that conservation has, um, is almost a, a, a characteristic that's followed through. So uh, I actually, my, my father got given the award by WWF for Lifetime Achievement in Conservation this year. Um, and uh, at the IWC, uh, we also got the recognition for sustainable wine farming. So the, the best uh, farming Well, there you go, guys. Production. I mean, and, you and, can't. And that's something that that wasn't dreamt up because people started talking about sustainability. No, it in the was last done with a conscience. Yes, it's, it's it's something that's 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 come along generations. And and I mean, people often say, "So what happens for the next?" I say, "Well, we are here to act as as guardians of of, yes, of the you're a for future generations. You're a custodian it, of it, and that comes with responsibility, not with a right." Yeah. Right. So, so it's a completely different view, I think, of it. So, if you ask me what, what, what Paul Cleaver Wines is all about, it's it's it, it's achieving excellence in harmony with nature. Yeah. Um, in our, and in it's our inside and out. Yeah. I think also that once once you plant the seed of sustainability, it's a little bit like everything. It gallops with its own momentum, and so you only have to you only have to help it along. You don't have to start like now. People who've never ever practiced sustainable farming in South Africa, having to spend a fortune on trying to get that up and running, yours is already well, there. It's already in its own genetics. But if you, you know, if you think if 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 you farming today with the knowledge that the next generation's taking over, then then you actually really care about what the condition will be mm. when they take over, right? Mm. So I think with everything we do, even even uh, uh, whether it's in a city or a place, yes. how will future generations judge this. our mm. actions of today? Um, they and, they and think it, we're stupid anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, we well, can give up trying right now. But, but I, I, I do think uh, as long as we can show that uh, we, we're going to make mistakes, we all make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. It's did it, we do it with the right intent? And when we realize we made a mistake, did we try to fix? Did we try and fix it? Yes. And as long as we do that, and you spoke earlier on about um, what are the good principles of of yes, yeah, so there's only one. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's 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 not about just about you. No. It's not just about me. It's about actually. Um, we, we, it's the collective, and it's about yeah. we have we all have a responsibility. No, it's should, the collective. We, we recognize if we if we stick to those principles, the collective benefits. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. That's what it is.
So, you are a legend. Thank you. <laughs> Your family is a legend. The farm is gorgeous. The wines are delicious. You really, really, really do. I'm going to make a plan to put some of those farms into the solid gold shop. And what you really need, because it carries connoisseurs and because it's hedonism and it's luxury and it's whatever, we might give them the odd special on the village, but they all have to try that seven flags. If you haven't had a bottle of Seven Flags Chardonnay or Pinot Noir, preferably both, mm. well, you can start there's the going to be a penalty. A, yeah, you can start. There's going to have to be penalties attached. Yeah, yeah. Paulie, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. It's Thank been you, an Carrie. absolute privilege. To be As always, thank you. Cool.